Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Today on Obsessed with Design, I'm chatting with Kelly Ellis, interior designer, professional speaker, and star of shows on HGTV, TLC, and Bravo. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Kelly Ellis. Okay, kids, today on Obsessed with Design, I'm chatting with Kelly Ellis. You've likely seen Kelly as the featured designer on TLC's Clean Sweep, HGTV's Takeover My Makeover, and perhaps you've even watched Kelly design a few homes and offices on Bravo's Real Housewives of Orange County, and that's just to name a few. So while I can't wait to dig into all of these things, first let me welcome all the way from the OC, Kelly, thanks for being on Obsessed with Design. Of course. Thank you. Well, so you and I were introduced. I think somebody actually reached out to us through the obsessedshow.com website, which is a nice time to say to all of you publicists out there, our show is just a contact form away. So I'm I'm glad that you reached out and I'm excited to hear about your story. Oh, well, I'm more excited to tell it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's maybe a great setup because my first question always for people who've listened to the show. I love hearing about origin stories. So I'd love to Mm -hmm. hear how you found yourself in the interior design and design industry or as a creative yourself and, you know, all the steps that led you to television of all things. So let us know how this got started. Well, it's strange. And I feel like I've said it so many times, but you're right. There's a lot of people that don't know. I feel like the interior design bug was always there. I remember designing Barbies. Oh, oh, there's my Frenchies. They want to talk about it too. <laughs> oh, we need to talk uh, about Frenchies then too. Yeah, I know. That'll come in the conversation apparently too. I did Barbie's house uh, and I would create her home on the entire floor of my bedroom. Uh, <laughs> like hours, like five, six hours. Like I am pretty sure I invented walk-in closets. I'm just going to tell you right now. You have no idea what a suitcase on the side will become. <laughs> I used to do wallpaper and I mean, I would do everything and I didn't even care where Barbie was. Like just so excited about designing and homes and spaces. And, and then fast forward, um, I'm an only child of a judge and my father was the mayor of our city growing up. So I was very, uh, entrenched in politics and law and kind of being center stage (laughs) as an only child you are anyway, but Mm -hmm. I really was. And so I went to law school to please my parents and, uh, truly hated it. I have a marketing degree. And communications was my passion with, I probably should have gotten an art minor because I took so many art classes just for for me, you know, for myself, because yeah. I love it so much. And so I did art, uh, law school for about a year and a half, finally left, uh, found a clever way to, to leave. And my best friend from law school became a voiceover agent in LA. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward another year and a half, I was already married with two babies by the time I was 25. And so all of the designing that I had done for family and friends and art and drawing, you know, everything of course was slightly tabled, <laughs> walking around, changing diapers more, <laughs> more than doing any of that. I'm familiar but with I, that process. I, oh yes, yes. It's fabulous. And I remember walking around, um, my, my little condo at two o'clock in the morning watching HGTV and thinking I could totally do that. Like what the heck, you know? And I knew I could. Mm-hmm. And 
I kind of put it out there with my girlfriend who was an agent. And so as soon as something passed her desk for TLC's clean sweep, she, she said, you have to go audition for this. You just have to. And I let it go for, God, she wouldn't bug me. She bugged me for four months, five months. Finally, uh, I went and auditioned and I got it. And I was like, okay, wow. So I'm going to start my career on television, really. <laughs> I did. And it was like, okay, perfect. I can do this trial by fire. And any of you who are any of your listeners who know clean sweep, it was a great show is when trading spaces was on TLC. And, um, I used to have brown hair to the middle of my back. So most people will look at me and go, I totally know you or, Oh my gosh, I can't believe the transformation. But if you go on my Instagram at designer Kelly Ellis, lots of E's and L's and I's you'll dig deep and you, it looks like I went through the witness protection program. Gosh, you would flip out. I'm serious. I look so different. Well, I pulled up some of your old clips on your media page and I was like, Oh, is this, is this even her? And then I looked a little closer and I was like, no, that's totally her. It's just a total transformation. Isn't it crazy? I know. So we'll talk about that. That was, that was an interesting decision, but one of the best ones ever. Anyway, so fast forward, uh, I did TLC for years. And of course, that opened the door to HGTV. And I've done five shows on HGTV, still currently on House Hunters Renovation. Next episode airs April 7th, if this comes out before that. Otherwise, I'll put it up on my website and you'll be able to watch the episode. And I do a show on the Design Network as well, Design Therapy. But all of that was just the strangest path. I mean, from marketing to law to, you know, mama. And then back into what I really loved, which is the design. So maybe you can inspire and enlighten our our listeners with kind of your role between, you know, doing work for hire and being on all these TV shows. What's a normal like day or week look like for you? Or is that even such a thing? It really isn't. Uh, <laughs> people ask me, first of all, wait, how do you do it all? Because for the longest time, I, I actually had what was called Design Camp. I was a co-creator of Design Camp and Design Campus, which is educational series and summit at all of the markets for interior designers on how to do marketing, branding, social media, how to get published, how to get on TV. And we had great um, attendees and, and still people love it and talk about how it's changed their lives, which is just nothing better than that. But time management was a big deal because many of people I know me and I say often that I do it myself. I do not have a publicist. I do not have PR. I've booked my shows myself, all of it. And you know, it's doable, but for most of us, it's hard to get our head wrapped around that. So time management for me is huge, Mm -hmm. really important. Um, But I do sleep eight hours (laughs) because most people think I don't sleep (laughs) and I do. Um, my husband and I get up at six 30. Uh, the kids are out of the house. So that helps. My girls are 22 and 23 and their one lives in Spain and one is actually my assistant now. So I actually do have someone else on my team. Oh yeah. It's great. But you know, time management is really important. Um, so there isn't a typical day in the life. I try to, if you've ever got an email from me, you'll know that I have set a email responder that says I will be checking on my emails and her team will be checking our emails twice a day. And that, you know, we'll get back to you within a reasonable time. Yeah. But things like that free up your world, like make life doable because, you know, we're so accessible. So people are like, what's your day look like? Well, I get up at 630, I walk the dogs, I work out. You know, I don't usually start meetings till 930, 10. Uh, I've kept the clients, the in-person clients to a minimum unless, you know, it's uh, noteworthy. 
project at this point, mm-hmm. uh, which means a drive to Los Angeles for me because that's usually a celebrity client or something that I'm doing for a show. But you know, most of what I do can be managed from home, which is great. I live in Orange County and Las Vegas. So I split time between the two homes and then LA quite a bit. And there isn't a typical week because I'm always off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm flying around. But the first thing, I I know when I'm busy, when the first thing anyone says to me, if they're a friend or or an Instagram follower is, oh my gosh, I am exhausted looking at where you are. (laughs) Not even like a hello, but oh my gosh, are you actually here? You know, that kind of thing. And then I know that it looks like I'm all over the place. And I am. It's not, it's not an illusion. (laughs) I really am all over the place, but it's such a great time right now for me to do that. You know, like I said, the kids are out of the house and my husband and I are both digital nomads, so to speak. You know, we can Mm -hmm. work, work remotely for the most part, but for filming. But other than that, it's just, it's been really great to be able to, to be free uh, in what we do and move around. So I don't have a typical week. I wish I did. It'd be (laughs) a little bit easier to have more of a schedule. But, you know, if I'm going to have meetings, I try to do that, you know, one day a week in-person meetings. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't control that, but you, but you know, for the most part, if you have a team, I have, you know, regular Wednesdays are my my conference calls, and that's a day where I'm blazing through all of the team conference calls that I need to with with the partners that I have in different projects. So it's like scheduling is everything. You know that. Yeah, absolutely. You know. I think there's nothing more exhausting, professionally speaking, than when you have to switch hats all day long to go from yeah. emailer to meeting sitter or presenter or thinker or strategist or even just like doing busy work or let alone trying to sit down and be creative. And then you pack that all into the same day. And that's what makes my brains melt, melt out of my ears. Yeah. You know, it's just, <laughs> that's, yeah. I can't do that. So I... I really appreciate the fact that you're, you know, kind of carving out one day a week to do meetings. I think that's awesome. Well, to your point, you know, where you have to be the operations person for five different projects. I can't put on the operations Mm -hmm. hat and then put on the artist hat and then put on the, you know, in the same day. To your point, that is absolutely exhausting. Like, I don't even know who I am at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what just happened? What just happened? Yeah. (laughs) Where'd the day go? Is this Friday? Is this Tuesday? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the production side of one of these shows. And I'm sure they may all be different, but maybe some of the more current ones that you're working on, are they more like show up and hang out on set for three weeks straight? Or is it like film an episode for two days, come back two months later and do another one? Or Mm -hmm. what's the typical process look like for yours? Probably more like the latter. Actually, they all are. Because we do renovations, especially for the HGTV's House Hunters renovation. Mm -hmm. The renovation is actually done over the course of, you know, 20 weeks at best. So we're shooting about five days throughout that time period. And they're full days. And, but it's not crazy. It's actually not difficult. Again, a lot of the work is done remotely, you know, con- conversing with the GC, making sure everything's ordered and sent, you know, that kind of thing. And then we just sort of plan out per production what that looks like as far as filming and what the storyline looks like and, you know, what we're going to hit. Sometimes there's some pickups, which means you have to go back 
bring the outfits that you had on, kind of recreate some interview type scenarios where you're popping up in your talking head saying, wow, that was Mm -hmm. a crazy day, you know, uh, to fill in a little bit for the storyline. But it's really not too, too difficult, which is what I really love. Um, I have great friends in production over the last, gosh, it's been 15 years I've been doing this. And unlike having a regular show, like my friends, Jonathan and Drew, Mm. they're great guys. And uh, we had a chance to hang out a couple weeks ago, but they are, they have four shows and sometimes filming two shows in one day. I can't even get my head wrapped around it. (laughs) I can't, I would look at them and I'm just tired. I, I get it. That's what people say to me. I say to them, you know, I think I'm busy and then I spend a day with those two and I, I can't even, can't even figure it out. But, you know, having a regular show is difficult. I had one. I shot two episodes in one week for an entire season for TLC. And it was and it was traveling and it was huge. It was a huge production. So that was more like what you spoke of, where you're on set or on site for a month filming and shooting and it's almost almost every day. Yeah. Whereas I have sort of tailored it uh, to my to my needs these days. And same with design therapy. So it's a webisode, web series, which is fun. Very little bite size, you know, three and a half, four or five minute episodes. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy to shoot. Again, it's done over the course of probably eight weeks and a little shorter. And because it's more design rather than renovation. And it's easy to do. It's not difficult. We can bring out some, I, I call them the good takeaways good design elements and design therapies wrapped more about around my design psychology program, which I have, which I don't know if you know about. Tell us about this, what this is. This was on my list here. So this is a good, good segue. Good segue. Well, design psychology is just something that I think is so fascinating. It's more about the whys of design rather than the how to's. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of interior designers that take the coaching program that I have so that it's, it was actually created for life coaches. Um, because I would have coaches, life coaches call me and say, okay, I need help mm-hmm. because you think about the transformation of a life coach and what they're doing for their clients and they're changing their lives. They're getting them more focused. They're, you know, helping them in whatever direction they need to go to. But one of the biggest elements of doing that is changing their environment and they don't have those skills. They, they're not, you know, a lot of them are challenged in that regard, you mm-hmm. know, as to what do I, how do I do this? Is there, you know, I don't know what color to paint the walls. That's one of the <laughs> biggest, right. That's one of the biggest questions designers get. So I was, I was fascinated by that. And I thought, oh, this is, this is such a thing. You know, why the designs of, or the questions of why do we need to change this space? What are we trying to impart? What's the function of the room? And I really broke it down, like way down to the basics. Mm-hmm. And I call it the three F's. So function, flow, and feel. Every room must have the three F's or it doesn't work. And so um, there's a fun exercise. I have a book called Do I Look Skinny in This House? <laughs> it's not great. I, I love that. that. Just, I do too. It just makes me giggle every time. And it's actually a free download on my website. I want people to know that. You don't have to go oh, to nice. Amazon. It's on Amazon, but you can, you can actually download the book on my site. Because I think it's just so fun and so necessary for designers or anyone, really. If they don't have a a bend or if, if people sometimes are looking for an angle for their businesses, I have very, very successful interior design firms that are all certified design psychology coaches through my program. 
and they use that as their angle. Mm. So it become it became a um, not a sales tool, but it's kind of a sales tool, but something to help them stand out in that they are not sort of changing your life to somebody else's life, but they're listening. And that's a huge part of it. So understanding who lives in the house, who needs to be here, what function does this room need to have, it, it, listing all those functions, making sure everyone's taken care of. Because, you know, as you know, you mentioned you have children, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, and a family. And as the children get older, I don't know how old they are now. Mine are 10 and 6. I was going to say 10. I kind of knew that. I don't know why. Weird. You're just feeling uh, it. I was. Popped in my head. I was going to say 10. Um, that would have been so creepy if I'd have known that, right? <laughs> It did. I almost said you're 10 year old, but how weird is that? Okay. Having a psychic moment. My mom is one of those people. Or just, you know, looked at Instagram or something. I didn't. (laughs) I swear. That's why I said it would be so weird if I had said that. I would have creeped us both out. (laughs) Anyway, so you know that it's not just children and their drones. There are two other people living in your house. Mm -hmm. So there's four of you, four individuals that have their, their needs and house needs to function properly. And we all have that room in our house that doesn't do anything. And then you've got the room in the house that you hate to walk by because it reminds you of 50 things you need to do. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's basically wasted square footage. You might as well just kind of give that to the neighbor because you're not using it. Right? I just, like, <laughs> just put the uh, condemned tape across the doorway and call it a day. Just cross it off and be like, wow, it's too bad we don't have the square footage in our house. But those are the things that we look at. So how to change that, how to change the feel of a room, adding function back in. If you don't have flow, obviously you won't use it. And there's all these different psychological elements to all of those things. Color, light. Um, It's just so fun. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is so amazing to me. It's actually more interesting than just the trends. You know, trends we can talk about all day long. Of course, I'm involved in that because of the furniture line. And the art line, tile, and all that stuff we get to. Oh, we're going to get into that. I know. You're like, oh, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just the, the why we do what we do, why husbands love one thing and wives don't, and why they say that. Oh, I love it. I hate it. Um, it, start, it actually started for me when I was really young. My mom used to say, let's go to a model home. Or they take me antique shopping. Let's mm-hmm. go antique shopping. And, of course, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, God, awful. And then when I started wondering like who owned this piece mm. and what did their house look like and how did they use it and where did this thing used to live i just oh my gosh yeah, isn't just, that interesting it is so fascinating to me i wish i could follow an antique piece through its lifetime how cool would that be yeah um wouldn't it it'd be so neat but but that kind of interesting thing or we walk through a model home and i would hear couples, you know, go through a space and, and you have that visceral reaction, right? Because everything's about feel. So I love it. I hate it. And what does that mean? Why? You know, and so I always wondered why, what could you possibly hate about this space? Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Why is that? Why do you hate it? <laughs> like, That's a strong reaction. And I know it's a fine line between the two, but <laughs> what could you possibly hate about the room? And I would love to know why does it remind you of your childhood home, which wasn't so pleasant? Does it remind, you know, what, why, Mm -hmm. what about the space is not good. And those are some of the things that just are so much deeper than, oh, I saw this in a magazine and I'm your designer and we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause it's not about you. Yeah. 
So is the design psychology coaching really for other designers to train them in how to work with clients or is it more directed for clients to understand how to be a better design client? You know what? That's interesting. And um, I'm just about to redo the program. (laughs) And I'm just going to take that little mental note right there because I've gotten that question many times. And um, I... (laughs) It's so funny because I don't give people too much homework as as clients, but I did have a handful of clients read the book mm-hmm. prior to us working together, and boy, did it make a difference. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, my goodness. A thousand percent because they were more informed about what it is that they liked and didn't like and why, the why part. Because as designers, we know how difficult it is to say you spec out a room, you put everything together, you do the first presentation and you get, nope, nope, don't like it. Nope. Don't like it. No. Mm-hmm. Right. Perfect. That's so helpful. <laughs> <laughs> great. That's great. You are the same client that was in the first meeting where you told me all the things you liked and right. then I did them and then now you don't right. like them. So right. Right. who are you? Yes. Yeah. Who are you? And I need to get, we need to go deeper clearly. You know, mm-hmm. we have to figure out what it is and also communication. So we know that clients aren't the best sometimes at communicating what they like, but they know what they don't like. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's there's definitely tips and tricks in there and, and how to get through the process and how to narrow down uh, what it is that you do like and what it, identifying what you don't like and why. Um, the whys are the biggest thing right? That's going to help everyone. So it has been helpful to have clients go through. And there's some exercises that are really fun too, that they can do. I call it the um, appreciation exercise. (laughs) I'll just do it. I'll tell you about it really quick. (laughs) So, okay. So think of a room in your house and you and your wife can do this. Think of a room in your house where you, uh, I should assume you and your partner, if anybody's listening, I know better. Um, (laughs) I do stand in the middle of the room, find one object, make that 12 o'clock and you're going to slowly turn and look at every single object and thing in the room, wall color, everything, mm-hmm. and instantly place a reaction or an emotion to it. I love it. I hate it or meh in between. Mm-hmm. Right. And you go through and you can write it down if you want to, if you can't remember or have someone else write it down, which is kind of fun. And so as you slowly go all the way around the room, if you have more I love it, the room is clearly on its way to functioning for you mm-hmm. if you're not currently using it, but you have things in there that are going to work. If almost everything in the room is I hate it or meh, again, put the caution tape up, cross it off. <laughs> you don't go in there and now you know why. Now you know why. Now you have a new storage you closet. You do, but you but most people don't realize when they walk into a space, they know instantaneously how they feel in their gut, right? Mm-hmm. You know automatically, ugh. Yeah. But you haven't gone through to figure out why. Why is this room uh? Why do you hate it? Why, mm-hmm. sir, walking through the model home, did you hate this room? And if you until you break it down, you don't know. So doing that exercise is so helpful. I've had people go, oh my gosh. I did not realize that I actually hated half the things in the space. Yeah. I put them in because they were, you know, given to me. The, um, you know, it was an inheritance thing, whatever. And it, this place didn't feel like my own, and it fill in the blanks. And they realized that's why I don't like this space. This is awful. 
I don't like half the things in here. <laughs> so emptying a room sometimes is a fun, you know, emptying out the space and remember why you liked the house in the first place. Completely get the things out of it that are, have emotion tied to them that you don't like and go back to the bones. Sometimes in even really functional spaces, like um, we've got a small walk-in pantry. And when we moved into our house uh, about two and a half years ago, we had some friends who helped us unpack stuff and they just kind of put all the things in the pantry where they wanted to put them. And then, you know, a year later I was like, ah, the pantry's driving me crazy. And I had to pull everything out and put it back in. And maybe that's my own OCD, but, but now I feel really at home when I walk in there because I know where everything is. It's where kind of, I expect it to be. And it's, you know, the most important things are all at eye level and I can just grab them and walk back out. Right. And I, it's so funny because I just did the same thing for our Vegas um, place. We built it um, and we had a big walk-in closet and it's a cool place penthouse pad you know it's just awesome and I love being there but that was the one space that I just was so frustrated with because we we had a party really quickly after we quote finished and just threw everything in there mm-hmm. yeah, everything the brooms the, you know everything was in there and it drove me crazy so I did the same I literally jumped <laughs> on Amazon ordered a bunch of organizational bins and baskets and all this stuff so I could do it I spent the whole day doing it but it's glorious now I walk in like run in we, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's yes. right in here. Yeah. And it <laughs> makes a difference, but that, can you imagine feeling that the way you, the way you felt about your pantry with your, you know, t- the largest room in your house, your, you know, usually, which is a quote dining room, formal living room. Yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> that's not good. Exactly. That's the, yeah. That's the biggest space. And so it's, it's that, that I think is so interesting. And yes, it's, the program is for designers, is for life coaches, and it's also for the client. And so, mom, if you're listening, first of all, thanks for listening. <laughs> but also, this is why I clean out your pantry once a year is because it drives me crazy. And that's that's probably not fair either because maybe it's exactly how she wants it to be. Oh, funny. Yeah, I think this is probably a process mom needs to be involved in. Yeah. She probably looks at, it, looks at you, rolls her eyes, and she's like, it's just okay. <laughs> <laughs> just let him do it. It's crazy. He's just, yeah. He just needs yeah. to get it out of his system. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and mom's walking in going, God, I hate this room. Nothing's where I want it to be. <laughs> right. This is awful. Yeah. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's understanding sort of how we tick. I think what happens a lot of times with design, um, again, is designers get excited and there's a new trend or even your clients do, you know, they go walk through Z Gallery or Restoration Hardware, because those are some the few stores that are still open, right? Mm-hmm. And easily available. And they walk through and they look and go, I want this. And then they buy half of it, put it in their home, which looks nothing like the showroom, by yes. the way. <laughs> and right? Yeah. And then it's the same they, piece. Why didn't this work? Right. And I can't figure out why I don't like it. I don't like this fit, you know. And so there's mm-hmm. is there's so many questions to ask to understand about the room, you how you need to use it, you know, it's deeper, deeper than the trends. I hear you. Well, maybe as a, as an awkward segue, you know, after talking about my mother, maybe we can talk a little bit about um, <laughs> your miracle for kids thing and and kind of how you got involved with that. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so miracles for kids is a, it's California now, it's not national, um, but we are, we're online for for people who love philanthropy. You can come and see what we're doing. We are the only nonprofit that gives direct support to the families. In other words, we help 
uh, via grant writing to keep families in homes who have critically ill children. So, um, you know, we find families with children and they're being treated for everything, but mostly rare cancerous mm-hmm. diseases. And we find the families, usually one parent's lost a job because they have to care for and transport a child to the hospital, you know, two, three, four, five times a week. Mm-hmm. And we find them living in garages. We find them, you know, living all over the place. And we're talking about the siblings, you know, everyone. So what we try to do is um, create an environment for them so that they can heal. You know, as we know, we're talking about psychology, we know that you have to be in a healthy, happy environment to heal properly. And, you know, the right energy is really important. And so we uh, bought a 12-unit apartment complex really close to our children's hospital of Orange County, Chalk Hospital. And uh, I got an email about 2.30 in the morning from I wasn't awake to receive it, by the way. Because <laughs> you only uh, check it I twice did. a day, so that's <laughs> that's right. Winning. So how could I possibly? That's right. Winning is right. From a gal who started the the charity, and she wanted to have lunch with me and ask if I could help because she needed help designing it. And of course, I was already in. You know, sitting at lunch, she starts this full court press. I give her I give her a lot of guff about it now, <laughs> trying to sell me to get me in to do this. And if you know, obviously. They didn't have a bunch of money. I mean, I wasn't going to charge a thing. Yeah. I was so happy to be involved because I was so fortunate to have two healthy children. And, you know, I couldn't think of anything better to do ever. So I was involved, designed the manor, and begged to be put on the board of directors. And I'm with the best group of people ever. But it's just a passion project that means so much to me. Um, and I know I have a lot of designer friends out there who also do the same. They've got the Habitat for Humanities. They've got Dwell with Dignity. It's great out of Dallas. A, a girlfriend of mine does um, special spaces for, for hospital rooms for kids who have an indefinite stay. I, mean, I just think it's so important for us. And a lot of designers know, I was talking about psychology, how their surround, children's surroundings affect them making their environments happy, but also, you know, putting them, their families in homes is really important too. And helping the siblings, um, who also are being quote dragged through Mm -hmm. this process, you know, by default because they have to, you know, it's their sibling that that's going through a really horrible time and their parents are going through a really horrible time. So we are, are, you know, just so proud that, you know, 90% upwards of 80, 87 to 90% of all of our our donations go straight to our families. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Which is so rare. I know. I don't know if anybody's ever looked at numbers, but it's pretty shocking when you see how much of your donation actually gets to directly help families. We're very proud that we get to do that. So it's just something that, thank you for letting me talk about it. It's something that I'm super passionate about. It kind of puts it all in perspective, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you for making time for that. Oh yeah. It's great. Well, maybe we should talk a little bit about the client side stuff. So what are some of your favorite kinds of projects to work on right now? Well, the only projects I'm working on right now um, with the clients, I'm working with an investor group, actually, creating a brand new franchise, a hotel franchise. Mm. I know. Do tell. I know. It's called SCP Hotels, which stands for Soul, Community, and Planet. Mm. And yeah, it's just... That sounds lovely. Doesn't it nice? It's someplace you definitely want to stay. Uh, the first key uh, landmark hotel that we're opening up is in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. So I'm flying there often, back and forth. But we're focusing on 
community, obviously. We're very focused on on local farm-to-market type industries that we can help Mm -hmm. wherever we open up. So the next 20 will be focused, again, on our local artists, our local vendors, local growers, any any of our um, chefs, people that do craft brews, you know, anything that we can do to support the community, that's first and foremost. Of course, we are working on everything being sustainable as well. So we want it not just to be a green hotel, but be very um, selective in what we do. We're using a lot of, you know, beetle kill woods. You know, all of our materials are very carefully selected to be green, you know, low VOC, so that we're conscious about the planet. And then we have a huge um, wellness component to the hotel as well. So it's, you know, half the hotel is fitness, um, indoor and outdoor pools, because we have crazy weather in a lot of these places. And you know all about that, don't you? (laughs) I do. But something I don't know all about is what, I mean, I can imagine what it means, but tell me about what beetle kill woods are. They're um, trees that have been destroyed by beetles. And so specifically in certain areas, you've got an almost entire forest. Yeah. So we had this emerald ash borer thing okay. happening in the Midwest. So maybe okay. that's that kind of thing. So like more epidemic insect issues that are killing trees. Correct. And so we focus on those and reusing them and they're actually beautiful. Hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, it's the after product of something horrible turns into something beautiful because of the boring that the beetles do into the trees creates oh, right. yeah this really interesting effect and look so rather than it being you know going to waste um we've incorporated that into the rooms barn doors are all made out of beetle kill instead of regular doors on the bathrooms we have barn door closures and we use those and it's just been so cool to to see you know steel we've reused exposed the ceilings, created um, kind of a workspace, you know, community space mm-hmm. type feeling where people can come and hang out and have a great local juice or great local coffee or beer, work, meet, chill out. I, one of the things that I, I'm pretty passionate about and getting more passionate about and have sort of turned on to the, the, high, the suits involved in this project is um, the street artists. Mm. So um, I love it. Uh, my husband calls it graffiti. I call it street artists. <laughs> <laughs> it's semantics. But you know, when it's commissioned and it has a directive, it can be so incredible. Yeah. And yeah, so cool. You should uh, hook up with Samuel Vasquez, who is a former uh, guest on the show. We've got a couple of his pieces in our house. Yes. He's got some pretty gorgeous stuff. Right. I, I yeah, love, it. love it. I love it. Love it. Love it so much. I, and I would like to. Uh, I, I'm collaborating with a gal out of Los Angeles who's pretty awesome. And I would love to do something on some of my furniture pieces. But so we're working, you know, with some street artists that I'm actually going to go meet next week in Colorado Springs to do some of the larger mural pieces on the outer walls that we have. So people realize this is really a cool place. Like that tells you that we're not stuffy. It's like that. Yeah. Isn't it I give you that instant vibe? You know right away. Oh right. Right. Right away. This is this is a cool spot. And that's what we want. You know, Colorado Springs is a really young, hip, fast growing place. And uh, we took one of the worst pieces of property. I mean, oh if I we had hazmat suits to walk through there the first. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. 
Yeah, when the local authorities are so happy to see you. <laughs> <laughs> and they won't go in with you? No, they're just like, oh, thank gosh. You, like, we'll be out yeah, here. Thank gosh you brought this. But have fun. Yeah, exactly. We're not going, but we're really happy to support you once you clean this up. Yeah. So it's one of those properties. So I'm, that's something new that I'm I'm working on, and and of course it's it's taking a lot of, of my my mental capacity at the moment. But it's it's really awesome. It's such a fun project. Not a lot of residential projects at the moment. I have three, um, and they're big. They're you know ten thousand square feet and above. And then and then you know the TV stuff is always with celebrities. So that's kind of fun. Well, if I've got this right, I think you've got your own line of furniture and artwork and rugs maybe. So first of all, tell us about, this is like three questions wrapped in one, but tell us about how that all came to be and um, like how you incorporate that into your projects or if you do, I guess that's just two questions, but those are, those are the big ones. Okay. It started with the tile line um, with tile bar. So um, I had some collaborations prior to that, but the kind of the first licensing, you know, where we really got into it, did it, did it properly was with tile bar. And I love a little bit of glam mixed in with the vintage mixed mm-hmm. in with the polished concrete, you yeah. know, mix it all together somehow. So the tile line there is mirror and marble and which is, I think is great. Yeah. It's like a way to, a way to add a touch of something without adding too much color. Cause I know once you start talking about the, the permanent materials in a room, you could have an entirely white kitchen. And if your backsplash has one tiny bit of green, you have a green kitchen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's true. Like it just, it's you totally could have true. a little liner. It's totally true. One little liner of color in that tile. That's what your kitchen is. So I thought, okay, I don't want to do that. I want something I can use everywhere in a million different applications. And I love the mirror. Mm-hmm. So it's a really cool combination of that. And that's kind of how things grew. From there, I was like, okay, I want fabric. So I have a new line of linen coming out with instalinen.com. Mm-hmm. Brand new, brand new. Um, but that's been so fun. That's for fashion and home use. I have a rug line with Jaipur. Um, that was with an old company. So I'm hoping to, I'm looking for a new rug company to work with. So we had an outdoor line with uh, Design Campus and we sold the company. So the rug line's kind of slowly going away. Mm-hmm, right. So Kelly Ellis' collection of rugs will be with a uh, to-be-named company. I'll figure that out later. Excellent. <laughs> uh-huh. I have an art line with Left Bank Art. So Left Bank is uh, a huge company most of you know probably. But if you don't, if you shop at Z Gallery, 90% of the art in Z Gallery comes from Left Bank, yeah. um, as well as Ballard Designs and a few other companies like that. So I'm super happy to have a collection with them. That was an absolute dream come true moment for me to get the art line. I had been designing the home of the man who owns the company. Oh, that's cool. And here's, I know, but I didn't want to pitch him because I didn't want to be that jerk, you know? <laughs> right. right? Like the only reason I'm here, because it was, it's a, three-story, beautiful, gorgeous home, ground up, was there mm-hmm. building this home, he and his wife. Every nail, I knew where it was going. And so I worked with them for a solid year. And we had kind of an issue, you know, with something coming together. So I was standing with the GC, and I just started drawing, sketching the house and doing what I wanted to do. And, and he, the owner came up to me, uh, Chris, he came up to me, he goes, um, when are you going to pitch me? 
And I was like, <laughs> yes, yes. That's the best time to pitch. I know. I was like, are you kidding? He goes, no, what the? And I said, oh my God, I'm so excited. I didn't want to be that person, but I would love to pitch you, but let's make it official. You can't be there. <laughs> let's have everyone else, your staff, or whoever does it, the powers to be, right. let them do it. I brought in all, all my older pieces, stuff that I'd done since I was a kid, incorporated different things. And so um, I love to go to my art openings. Actually, I have an art opening um, at High Point Market this coming April. Mm-hmm. And I love to tell people the impetus behind it, you know, behind the different pieces. It's really fun. So that I have and love, and that's ongoing. You know, we're always creating new pieces for each new market. And then I'm really excited. I have a furniture line coming out with Sunpan. And some people are really familiar with Sunpan and use them all the time. Some people don't know them. If you don't, you have seen their stuff. They also sell, you know, to the gallery and it was kind of, the, I called it the man cave furniture, mm-hmm. you know, heavy leathers, black or gray leather with beautiful, bold, wide chrome arms, Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was great. They're great pieces, but I kept complaining, <laughs> if you will, I would buy a piece and have to recover it. Or I have to try to change it for a uh, you know female client, or try to make something a little more mm, in between, mm-hmm. so maybe. And you know, nine months later of me telling them how much they need me, how much they're going to love me, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to love me. I need to do this. They finally were like, okay, let's just see what you got. Let's see what you got. We they've never done a licensing deal before, so I'm quite quite honored to be the first. Um, to do that with Sunpan. And we have created, a, I'm just so excited, a beautiful line, 20 pieces to start, but another 40 rolling out. And that's been, oh my gosh, such a cool thing. You know, most people think that licensing people is so easy. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy process. I mean, it's very time consuming. And, you know, you work a year before anybody sees anything. Drawing and, you know, rendering. That's what my daughter does when she works with me as I do the drawings and she puts them on the render, renders them and puts them on the computer and does all that. And it just is, it's a labor of love. Um, I got to travel overseas and meet, meet the factory owners and sit down with them and talk to them about the process and try to learn their language. That was a whole nother thing. Oh yeah. You know what you call welting. I call when I called piping, he called welting. When I called Roosh, he called a gather. And like we weren't speaking the same language at all. And I thought, okay, I need an education <laughs> so that I can learn to work with these people and that I can cut down on the R&D. So when I was submitting designs or drawings, I would understand thicknesses of metals. I would understand what the what can be done and what can't be done. Mm-hmm. What, what can be molded, what can't, what can be curved, what can't what that looks like, how much of a radius is, is standard on this part, how much of a, you know, all those little details, how the joints come together, what, you know, what's required. I mean, I really dug in deep because I wanted to understand so that when I draw something, there's no questions. Yeah. Now, uh, next time around, <laughs> you'll have a mm-hmm, yeah. head start. Exactly. And that's exactly where I'm at now. So I, it was really an incredible process that of course I'm still going through. I'm right in the middle of designing another 40 pieces, like I said. So it's, yeah, it's just so cool. The whole thing is so cool. I'm just loving it. 
what is or what are some dream projects that you have that you'd love to tackle in the future that you haven't uh, had a chance to do yet? Fashion. Mm. Tell me more. People who know me, they're always like, what is she going to be wearing? And it's not usually a typical. Um, since I cut my hair to this short, funky do, um, it's kind of let me go back to my roots as kind of a funky artist. Mm-hmm. You know, starting off on HGTV, I had to really kind of conserve it, make it a conservative move with my look. Mm-hmm. Plus, I was a, you know, my kids were young. So, you know, the nose ring came out, <laughs> you know, like nothing. <laughs> I just was kind of made it very, you know, very go with the flow. I, I definitely had more of a blend in look. And then three years ago, I realized that my hair was coming in like as white as my parents' hair is, both of them. Mm-hmm. And went, oh my gosh, no wonder I have to color my hair every week. Like, this is crazy. Why, what? And so I just let it go. And my girls are like, mom, just cut it. Cut it like pink. You've always wanted your hair short. Yeah. Terrified. I've never had short hair in my life. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. So on my 45th birthday, I was like, okay, get the buzzers out. I'm ready. And I was so excited. It was like the greatest day ever. And didn't look back. So this color coming out of my head is real. And I love it. But what it did was it let me be that funky girl again. Where I I don't mm-hmm. have to wear heels anymore. I get to wear Doc Martens. High five. Nice. Like I yeah, I'm not doing the heels anymore. I'm doing the Chucks, the Doc Martens, the cool shoes, the you know, whatever I want to wear. And and that sort of opened up those doors again to fashion. I've always loved it. Always loved it. And I would love to somehow, you know, be Kathy Ireland in reverse. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, she's gone from the fashion world to the interior design world, um, which is true of a lot of, a lot of people, you know, they make that move. Um, but I would like to just incorporate now design my designs and go the other way. I don't know what that means. Very cool. Do you think it'd be clothing or, or shoes? Like- I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have no idea. I know it's going to present itself and we'll be listening to this and go, Remember when you were talking about, <laughs> mm-hmm, right. but I, um, I don't know. I really don't know. I just know that it needs to happen, you know, in the beauty world, whatever that means. So head to yeah. toe somewhere in there. I'd love to be involved. Well, maybe one of our listeners has a suggestion for you. So love it. Let's, let's tweet do to it. Us and let us know who you think Kelly should, uh, t- should talk to. I know. I really think that there's, there's a play there, but, I do enjoy fashion so, so much. Um, you know, our homes are, that's kind of the part of the thing with, do, do I look skinny in this house? You'll see that I drew a little girl wearing. I'm going to laugh every time you I say know. the name of that book. You that's awesome. The cover the cover's so cute. It's got this little drawing that um, I did of this girl and she's wearing a house. Like she's literally wearing this little house. Looks like a little fifties chick. And I was, I just love, I have doodles. I used to doodle along with art. I have fashion. You know, I just think there's mm-hmm. something to it. So we wear our, our homes are a reflection of ourselves when we invite people in. Right. And so we wear something we're making a statement to like, yeah, you know, it's always, and designers are, they get it. You know, most of them are very fashionable. My girlfriends look stunning all the time. My, oh my gosh, my male designer friends are always letting us know exactly what's on their mind based on what they're wearing at the moment. So I love that. 
I love it. I love that um, Michelle Boyd is like pops in my head right now because he's got such a sense of style, and I know he would be right there with me as far as making that that change and and creating some fashion and home together. Um, Michelle, if you're listening, you need to do this. He's such an icon um, in his own right as well. But I love to see what my friends are wearing. It tells me exactly where they're at at the moment. You know what they're creating, what colors they're loving, and so I think that's cool. I think that's an extension of our homes a little bit, you know? All right. So maybe we've already covered this because I can hear it in your voice on a few things, but I'm curious, you know, designers are typically obsessed with many things. So I am curious what you find yourself most obsessed with right now. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, lighting. Hmm. Yeah. That kind of came out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's my next endeavor. I will be designing lighting for um, Sunpan as well. And I'm really digging into what makes me excited. You know, we always call it the jewelry of the room. Mm-hmm. That's and it really, a great it phrase. Is, it is, but it, it, it's so much, it really sets the tone. It's got, I got to think of something better than that. Because, you know, if you change the light in the room, you can change the entire vibe and style of the room. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So I changed any, you just think about any light fixture in your house and picture changing into something twice the size in a different color. And what did you just do? Yeah, the room totally changed. Changed. Thousand percent changed the look of it. And so um, I'm looking I'm digging into, you know, what lighting means and the impact it has and then um, how I can affect that and what I want to say when I design something and how, you know, it's, it's more than just going, oh, this is pretty. Let's do this. It's it needs to be really thoughtful for me in the process. So uh, right now I'm currently obsessed with lighting. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm excited. So let's pretend for a moment, if you weren't designing any longer, what do you think you'd do? Oh boy. I would be traveling and probably still talking about design, but I would Mm -hmm. love to pair travel and I guess it's design. So it's fashion designers, home designers, car designers, architects and travel and do a show about it. So I would love to just tell the world what's happening, where, and what's cool. Not really like the trends so much, but just what's happening. I don't like using the word trends. It's just more of, you know, what's new, what's these, you know, young minds are creating. Um, I love to follow young designers, no matter what they're doing, artists, mm-hmm and anything on Instagram because it's so inspiring. There's so much cool stuff going on. And even if I can't understand what the heck they wrote, because it's in six different languages, I don't care. <laughs> I don't, right. I don't care. Like I will just, I will get, follow a hashtag and, and try to find the equivalent, you know, in Spanish and German and Turkish and you name it, I'll mm-hmm. follow because I want to see what is happening. You know, I'm just so fascinated by all that. I think we've missed a lot of that in our television, in our programming. Yeah. 
There used to be more of it. I feel like there used to be more, you know, discover because, you know, a lot of, of us are on Instagram, but a lot of us aren't. You know, there's a lot of people that aren't doing Instagram. They're still interested in what's happening elsewhere. You know, we used to have TV shows that would show fashion every morning. I used to watch it. There used to be shows that would talk about inspiration um, or, you know, lifestyles of the rich and famous, but not that. You know, just something that's telling us that's that what's happening in the world. Not necessarily around money, but just inspiration. And I think because they assume most of us are on Instagram and Facebook and following that way, mm-hmm. that we're not wanting to sit down and, and watch it, which is not true. I think, I think a program would be cool. Well, yeah, I think, and there are, you know, so many different ways that we can, it's a weird word for it, but consume content to, you know, sometimes we want to read and sometimes we want to page through something and sometimes we want to just sit down and veg out and watch it on TV. And I, I think having options is, is kind of the, the key. Binging on it. That's right. I love that. Yep. Binging. Right. And we do do that. My husband and I are huge bingers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Enjoy that thoroughly, actually. When you find a good show, you're like, yes, this has got five seasons. We're good. <laughs> it's We're so good sad when least. you get through one and you're like, oh, there's just one or there was just two. Oh, it's so bad. And then you can't wait for it to pick back up again. But when I see that something's got five seasons that I haven't seen yet, oh my gosh. Yeah. The best thing ever. Like, look, we're totally going to take it. People like to escape their worlds, right? You just want to shut off. Yeah. It, there's nothing better than like, we'll just cuddle up with the pups and put on something cool. And we're so happy because neither of us have picked up the phone. We haven't looked at anything and it's so nice. Well, Kelly, it's been a blast hanging out with you today. Maybe before we wind down here, let us know what you think is either your favorite piece of advice that you've received or your favorite piece of design advice to pass on to young designers. <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head is what I'm going to say, because it's kind of been, and there's two things. There's two things that I say over and over again mm-hmm. that uh, have helped me through an issue or when stuff, stuff pops up. One, make the problem pretty. Mm-hmm. So that's my designer advice. Um, I use it a lot. Like when, when something pops up or there's an issue or there's a problem or um, there's a design element that's horrible or they think, quote, doesn't work, um, I call it make the problem pretty. And where you highlight, highlight it. Yeah. If you can't make it go away, highlight it. That's cool. And I mean, literally paint it, paint it out bright, shiny red and put a light on it. <laughs> like <laughs> make the problem pretty. So, and that's really um, gotten me through some crazy design dilemmas that have turned out incredible. And then the other one is do shit different. <laughs> do shit different. I say that all the time, but that's for the rest of it, right? So when we're talking about how to market ourselves or, you know, how to, um, or when we're designing things when I'm creating a design or, um, <laughs> you know, palling around with my friends doing crazy live videos like my friend Joseph from Design Talk Live, we go and we just do shit different. And it's kind of wakening people up to the the business of design, how we do things, how we're represented. Um, There's politics of design, as you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's all kinds of companies that we love and hate and why we love and hate them. And all of a sudden there's this mass movement of uh, opinion versus 
you know, one company versus another. And it's, it's so funny. It's people don't think designers are that involved in anything other than making home people's homes pretty, you know, like we have this fluffy, fluffy job. (laughs) And then you start hearing that there's all kinds of issues and, you know, backstories and it's, it's pretty funny. Um, it's complicated. It is a little more complicated than people, people realize. And I think that's true of any industry and ours, ours is not immune. Um, but yeah, do shit different. Like, you know, just because X, Y, and Z does it do, do something different. Like what makes you different is really what I like to focus on. So designers are always handing me their business cards and going, are these good? Or, you know, how's my logo? Or, you know, is, does this, is this going to help me stand out? You know, they feel like they're not going to make money. They're not going to survive. Yeah. And I just, I tell them, you know, I didn't get noticed and or remembered until I cut my hair. And I'm not telling everyone to cut their hair and put on glasses and red lips. Like <laughs> that's not <laughs> the message. But the message is to stand out and be different. And if that means you've got to, you know, either be more of yourself, right, which is what you suggest, yeah. be, be more true to who you are. You know, if you love purple and everything you do is purple, then you're purple. Right. Like, oh, like own it. And it's your branding. It's you. It's your business card. It's everything. You're purple and everybody will know you. It's purple. But like, do it and do it, do it and mean it and like be different. Do shit different. I think that is fantastic advice. Thank you. Kelly, before we say goodbye, let our listeners know where they can find you on the interwebs and also where they can find your stuff and find your book and um, all the good stuff. Yeah, the best place to start is kellyellis.com. And that's K-E-L-L-I-E-L-L-I-S.com. Again, lots of E's and L's and I's. Um, (laughs) It's so hard to write out. Ugh the pain but kellyellis.com and everything's there instagram link is there all the products are there again the book is a free download at the bottom of the page i'd love for people to download it read it you know let me know what they think and yeah you can get a hold of me there too so contact it goes right to the team which you know is myself and my daughter and a couple other off-site people um but it's us people freak out when i respond it's really you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you emailed yes. me and i responded I know. <laughs> it's so yeah, weird I've, I'm very, uh, very hands-on so and accessible always. That is awesome. Well, Kelly, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. And thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, kids, that's show number 102 officially in the books. You can get all of today's show notes on our website at obsessedshow.com. And if you haven't already, while you're there, add your email address to our newsletter, and I will update you on some of my favorite new episodes and all the cool things that I find in my daily obsessions. Also, we've added links to the show to all the places you can find it, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Spotify. So no matter where you listen to podcasts, you can find Obsessed with Design from there. Just head over to obsessedshow.com to find those links. Twitter is one of my favorite ways to receive recommendations for new guests, or as we heard on this episode, the contact form at obsessedshow.com. Tweet to at obsessedshow or I'm at Josh Miles and let me know who you think we should interview next. Also, head over to iTunes to subscribe to Obsessed with Design. A rating and review helps others find the show. Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Our show is always edited by Jen Eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company. Visit BrassyBroad.com to learn more.
Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.